Drill, baby, drill. He had such enormous fun that he called for another elephant to come. It's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. Secretary Clinton. America, stay out the bushes. Stay out the bushes. Jet is a mess. And welcome to a Halloween episode. Yeah, if edition. you hadn't said that, I was about to be like, Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. How was I not going to say it's October 31st, Monday? Um,. We had trick-or-treaters come, and we did not ask them who they were voting for, mostly because the parents hung back too far. Yeah. Honestly, it was sometimes a little awkward because we had the iPad out there with Monday Night Football on, which uh, which was definitely less entertaining than the uh, the trick-or-treaters. And um, uh, the amount of negative campaign ads is so overwhelming every commercial break we'd have these trick-or-treaters come up to us in the background it's like blake masters extreme on abortion <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, turn that down turn that down kids you didn't see that <laughs> that's the last thing we need so trick-or-treating ask us what's abortion that's great that'll get the parents the parents already didn't like us because we were the house that said hey kids they were like, the kids are so polite. By the way, yeah. I do have to say, every kid that we encountered tonight was exceedingly polite. Yes. Unbelievably polite. May I please have some? Yeah, you don't have to ask, please, at, for trick or treat. But it was please and thank you from almost every single kid. One kid said thank you so many times, I was beginning to wonder if that's the only phrase he knew. <laughs> <laughs> But that, that, I mean, that really raised my spirits. Yeah. You know, I thought that was the best thing about the night was that the kids were so happy. They were, that you could tell that they had been building up for this. And, and they were going to take full advantage. And every kid was nicer and more gracious than the last. And um, it just goes to show that we live in a, in a, in a great area of town. Yeah. In a great area of town where um, the, the parents... Uh, care about their kids so much that um, that the values like, seem to be instilled in them. You know mm-hmm. that this is how you behave. Um, so I thought that was great. Um, man, all ages from the newborns to the uh, teens. Mm, we didn't get that many teens, really. Nah, a couple, couple. Yeah. I could pick, pick a couple kids, like ten, twelve, maybe, maybe yeah. thirteen year old. The kid at the end. I don't know if he's a teenager or if he's just one of those kids who's like, who's like, oh, so you're going to play in the NFL someday. He was a big kid. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, the kid was a unit. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I don't mean that in like the obese way. I mean, it was just like, it's like, oh, you are like, you know, you're like a man. You know, he's like one of those kids where. I don't know if you ever experienced this when you're playing like little league, softball, soccer, or whatever, and you see a kid on the other team, and the parents are like, okay, so he drove himself here. (laughs) (laughs) How's this kid allowed to play? (laughs) He's got a wife and kids. (laughs) um, (laughs) 
Um, but anyways, uh, happy Halloween. I hope everyone had a great Halloween. I hope no one has any cavities from all the candy that they've been eating. I hope adults have been able to have some festive beverages uh, tonight. Uh, we had our Halloween, uh, we had our neighborhood block party. We had some yeah. some, some pizza. pizza, And we were saying, we can't remember the last time we had pizza. It was over a year ago, the last time we had yeah, pizza. And now we're going to have it back to back. And now we're going to have it in a row. back to back two weeks. Um, and that's a perfect jumping off point, Katie. That is a great segue. You're welcome. Into what we're talking about, um, which is this, the, the, the I want to kick off uh, the election um, as we always do with going over the polls, going over the biggest stories. And the biggest poll and information came out. There were two things, big polls that came out. There was a CBS poll, which we're going to talk about. Mm. And then there was a New York Times-Siena poll that I'm going to briefly touch on. So the New York Times-Siena poll is... Hold on to your seat here. I don't want to shock you. Oh, boy. The New York Times-Siena poll is the only batch of recent polling that shows Democrats winning anywhere. Really? (laughs) They've got... Warnock up three in Georgia, margin of error. Uh, Kelly up six in Arizona, outside the margin of error. That's the first time we've seen Kelly over 50, but they had Kelly at 51. That's that's not something you see a lot. Um, it had uh, um, a tie in the Nevada Senate. Um, they had Fetter. This was the one. So that, wait, this is the if, one that really caught wait, my wait, attention. If they have a tie in Nevada. Does that mean it's going to be a landslide? You know, I I think if we win, if we win um, Nevada, Nevada, that um, that yeah, it's going to be. We're gonna, we're we're looking at about two hundred thirty five, two hundred forty house seats. I would think. Um, um, I think we're going to take the Senate in Nevada. I think we're going to take it in, um, uh, I think we're going to take the Senate there as well. Uh, Senate, uh, they had the Democratic Cortez Mastro up two. And everyone kind of looked at this poll and just went, really? Because this is like not close to anything else that's, uh, that's out there. Um, there, there's some other polling that's 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 come out. Um, uh, this Michigan race seems to be on the outskirts of the margin of error. Uh, usually seeing like five, six points. Saw one today. Whitmer up nine, fifty-two, forty-three over Tudor Dixon. Uh, I believe. Well, Trump's already been there, and Carrie Lake's cut an ad for her. I wouldn't be surprised if he's going back there. He's going to Pennsylvania as well. Joe and Obama, and everyone's hitting the trail. Everyone's hitting the trail for the next eight days. I thought Joe wasn't going to do any of that. Well, he's going to show up and, I don't know, wonder where he is, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) He can't do much more than that. Um, My favorite is these Alabama polls. I know you have to do polling in your state, but, you know, all of the Republicans in Alabama are like 60, 60 points and above, um, which I get a kick out of. It's uh, like doing polling in California. Right. Um, so uh, it's a very, uh, it, this is going to go down to the wire. So let's get into the CBS poll, which uh, seems to me to be a little bit more accurate, accurate representation of uh, where we are in the race. Um, 
I think the highlight, the first highlight that they point out, and this is all likely voters, right? So at this point, you don't want to be looking at anything that says registered voters. You want to be looking at things that say likely voters, people who are likely to vote. 79% of people said the country is out of control. Whoa, 79? 79% of people wow. said things are out of control in this country. Of that group, that's four-fifths of the country. Yeah. Of that group, where do you think Republicans are polling among them? Hopefully high. Plus 20. Yeah. I mean, Plus how 20. can you possibly say it's right? out of control and then be like, oh, but the people in charge are great. That's exactly. Great. Precisely. So CBS has put out that uh, they look at the, the Republicans getting 228 seats. Holy moly. Which would be plenty to, uh, to take it. But they also ha- they, they show a scenario here where uh, if, uh, you know, if, if based on the demographics and how people have voted in the past, and frankly, if you take a look at where Hispanics, Hispanic people have been moving towards the Republican Party over the past for five years. Um, Hispanic turnout is no longer something that the Democrats really want. Oh. <laughs> um, um, and so, and so they look at it, but CBS says that the higher end seems to be 238 seats for the Republicans, 240. Uh, it, it, folks, if the Republicans have 240 seats in the House, that means the Democrats would have 195. Um, that's, that's, that's big. That's, that's, you get to investigate whatever you want to investigate big. Let's do it. Um, and so, and so that was the big one that I saw is that eight, eight, four fifths of the country says things are out of control and all of those, and those people are voting Democrats 60, 40. So now we just have to worry about the 20%. Wait, who, you mean 60, 40 Republican, 60, 40 Republican yeah. of that group. And so, and so now we just have to really worry about, well, the, frankly, that's the battleground. That's the battleground. The 80% of people who think things aren't going well in this country, that's the battleground. The 20% who think things are going just fine, they have no help. You have no hope of convincing these people that Joe Biden is anything but the second coming. (laughs) Because the only way that you could think things are going well in this country is if you think that higher gas prices are a good thing. That fewer job opportunities are a good thing. Yeah, because that kids being kept they, out of school is a good they thing. They love higher gas prices because they're like, well, we shouldn't have gas. Yeah. Everything should be electric. I, I legitimately think this 20% consists of purely the limousine liberal class mm-hmm. who are so, like Joe Biden, so in the Obamas. They're so far removed from everyday life that they don't comprehend the impact that their choices have, on, uh, that their policy choices have on people. Number one. Um, number two, and then it's just the handout people. Well, everything's fine because I'm getting more money than I did when Trump was in office. And I'm still not working. Right. So that's it. You know, and these are the people who you're never, it's tougher to convince those people. But people who have their, people who have to go to the grocery store and do their own shopping and have to look at their bills every month and have to get that wonderful check every two weeks that reminds you how much the government is taking away out of your taking out of what you're earning and you're going sitting there thinking man you know i could really use some of that to fill up the gas in my car or maybe to take my kids out to the movies for a little treat but i can't because the gas price of gas is too high because we have a diesel shortage in this country now they're warning there are cities that may be out without diesel Maybe out with fuel. 
then you're not getting any trucks. This is third world country stuff. You can't sit here and think, oh, things are going okay when we're talking about fuel rationing in America. That's a big red flag. And the only thing, and we know why this happened, because the Democrats have let us know this is intentional. Mm -hmm. This is intentional. This policy is intentional. We want to make sure that gas is so prohibitively expensive that you can't drive a car that requires gasoline. That's their goal. That's the left's goal at the end of the day. And so when you look throughout all of these polls, it's so funny when people go, oh, you know, what are you, what are you, what are you worried about? It's like, it's like oh, oh, who do you think would be better on the economy? Republicans. Who do you think would be better for energy prices? Republicans. When they ask these people, if Republicans win, they will try to do the following. Now, the media wants you to believe that the one and only thing, well, the, the media wants you to believe there's only two things that Republicans are interested in. Overturning the 2020 election <laughs> and national abortion. Yep, that's it. The voters have seen straight through this. Even in the CBS News poll, the number wow. one thing that people believe that Republicans are going to do, the number one priority that people believe that Republicans have in this country is increase domestic energy production. Oh, we won that battle. Folks, that, that right there is a huge victory when it's come to our messaging during this election cycle. That is a huge victory. Because people have seen through the nonsense coming out of the White House, and we have had candidates who have effectively combated it, even when the media is pushing an alter their alternative facts. Yep. Like Joe Biden last week. Well, gas was $5 when I came into office. No. Joe, you haven't filled up a gas tank in 50 years. How the hell would you know what the price of gas is? He probably still thinks it's 25 cents, if you asked him. He probably thinks a Hershey bar costs a nickel. <laughs> you know, I mean, he should literally walk around with like an old timey piano music playing behind him. Which party makes you feel safer? 46% say Republicans, 30% say Democrats. What are the other people doing? N neither. <laughs> um, um, oh, and the poll shows what we've. What 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 we've what what everyone knows about uh, about the election? If your candidate denies Biden won in twenty twenty, would you be more likely, less likely, or wouldn't matter much? Even for Republicans, for Republicans, forty percent say more likely. Sixty percent either doesn't matter or mm, makes me less likely. If that issue doesn't, one of the big things you have to do in order to win elections is turn out the base. Don't push issues that turn the base off or don't motivate the base. The election doesn't motivate 60% of the base. Energy production does. Yep. And we're winning it, and it's great. And that's not to say that people aren't concerned about election fraud, reforming our elections, making them more secure. It's that looking, it's the looking backwards. That's what people don't like. People don't want to look backwards. People don't want regressive policies. People don't want, oh, all I'm thinking about is two years ago. People want to go, well, how is my life? What, what am I going to look? What's my life going to look like when you're done? 
It's the old question. Were you better off than you were four years ago? Right. One two years ago. <laughs> right? Two years ago. Are you better off than you were two years ago? Are you? The answer is no for a lot of people. And it's the economy, right? The old James Carville line. It's Friday's episode over again. It's the economy, stupid. Um, the last thing that I wanted to get to is um, the, um, the education issue. When looking at uh, the registered voters, so this is a little different, registered voters, parents of school-aged children, classes discussing sexuality and gender. Oh. This is broken down by party. So for Republicans, 72% of Republicans said they're concerned. Now, I don't know about this other 28, but let me tell you something. From what I'm seeing out there, I would be concerned if I was a parent. Here's the kicker, though. Dems. It's an even split. 52 not concerned. 48 concerned. Yikes. This is an opening. Yet another clear opening for Republicans to grab the title of the party of the parents. We can be the party of the parents. That's a good place to be. That's a good place to be. We have to keep fighting, and that shows me that this school fight, we need to continue this. This might be one of the most important fights that we have culturally. This may be the number one battle we need to fight culturally as Republicans, is making sure now that we know what's going on in those schools, for a fact, because all of us who have been growing up and going through this, we've been sounding the alarm. Hey, our teachers are nuts. What we're learning in school is nuts. But it didn't, didn't really take hold until COVID. Yep. And when kids brought the schoolwork home and the parents are like, you're learning what? what? Excuse me? How many genders are there? I don't think so. So that's where we are. And I just want to reiterate that we are in a wonderful, wonderful place. Twitter seems to be a really interesting place. It is going wild. I'm not on Twitter. I just get sent the links. But I can tell you from the links that I've seen, the trending section, Mm -hmm. it's not as left-wing as it used to be. (laughs) And I'll just simply say that when Pelosi gay lover is trending... (laughs) Well, this is not the Twitter of 2021. This is Elon's Twitter. Um, we are not going to dive into the Pelosi thing. Uh, I, I think there was a really good article by, uh, gosh, I'm going to mess up pronouncing his name, Rob Dreer in the American Conservative, who um, does a really good job just asking questions. Just ask a couple of questions. A couple of questions you'd like some answers on. Why does the glass shatter away from the home? How was it a security alarm not tripped? These people are worth $100 million. Surely there's security alarms, security cameras. What happened here? How did this guy gain access? Surely at 2 a.m. Your alarm system would be in place. I mean, we have an alarm system and we don't have it on 
generally during mm-hmm. the day because we're in the home. But once it's nighttime, we have it on. What uh, what kind of attacker uh, allows their uh, their victim to uh, to go to the bathroom to make a phone call? Just some questions. Just a couple of questions. That's all. Um, but today, uh, I woke up. And, uh, you know, I did something that I've been doing a little bit more lately of yeah. now that it's election season. What's that? I opened a playbook. Oh. Went back to that old well. You ever hate a political playbook? That old chestnut. That old chestnut. Mike Allen's political playbook, folks. This was the Bible. This is this was not, I, I, He's not I, even he doesn't even run it anymore, right? No, no, no. He's at Axios. Right. But Mike Allen used to uh, made the political playbook. It is a daily morning email with all of the inside baseball of what's going on. Like this was this was political nerd newsletter heaven. Mike Allen's. And our wedding was announced in it. Yeah, I was just going to say. <laughs> um, but anyways, um, I, I look up, he doesn't do it anymore, but I, I like to look at Politico. And let me tell you, this is what Politico, first thing on there, the affirmative action cases at the Supreme Court today. I know we've said this a bunch of times, but the most important thing I believe that our senators vote on is the confirmation of justices. That's my number one criteria for electing a senator. Are you going to vote for a Thomas, an Alito, a Scalia? Or are you going to vote for a Souter? Or... Some other left winger masquerading as a Republican or a conservative justice. And this is why the presidency is so important, folks. That's why in 2016, when Ben Shapiro put out that article that the, that the Supreme Court wasn't important enough for you to vote for Donald Trump, that should have been a one-way ticket outside of the conservative movement for him. Because you can't sit there and be a pro-life person and not think that the Supreme Court matters. You can't sit there and be a cultural conservative and not think the Supreme Court matters when the Supreme Court is one of the few things that we have to make sure that extreme liberal policies that are blatantly unconstitutional cannot stay law. Okay? They might become law, but through the appeals process we can show people why this law should have never been implemented in the first place. This is the most important, these are the most important battles we have simply because these are lifetime appointments. This is not temporary. This is lifetime. Yep. So it's so important to make sure that we control the Senate and control this process. Because right now going through the court is not one, but two affirmative action cases. One against the University of North Carolina, one against Harvard. And Politico is just up in arms. How could you reverse years of precedent? Years of precedent. Years of precedent. Like it even matters. 
We had slavery in this country for years. Well, I was going to say, what if it's bad precedent? Bad precedent needs to get overturned. Separate but equal. Overturned. Slavery. Overturned. We've had, we've, like every country. Well, actually, no, not like every country. This is unique to America. This is unique to America. You want to know why? Because we have the power as citizens to go, whoa, 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 whoa. Hey, you went a little too far there. We're going to get these other guys in office, and it's not going to be quick, but we're going to be able to reverse what you did there. And it takes patience. It takes time. It takes money. It takes effort. It takes focus. One person who's been at the forefront of this has been Leonard Leo, formerly of the Federalist Society. Oh. Been a big hand in, in, in promoting these um, constitutionalist justices. Mm. And now... He's running what I think is like the new Koch brothers. Oh. This guy's got $1.6 billion to deploy. And this is a cultural conservative's cultural conservative. This is someone who has spent decades building a network, building on organizations to reject cultural leftist policies. That kind of dedication is rare, folks. And now he's finally at the point of his life where he gets to unleash his full force on the left. It's going to be great over the next 10 years to be a cultural conservative because we're going to be fighting battles all over the place and we're going to be winning. And we're going to be winning because we had the chance, thanks to President Donald Trump, who made sure that we got conservative justices in all of those vacancies and not one, not two, but three Supreme Court justices. So we can start reversing this horrible trend that's happened in America over the past 40, 50 years of liberal policies being made law but not being taken out because they're unconstitutional. And there's nothing, one of the worst things that we have is affirmative action in this country. Oh, yeah. Legalized racism. Yep. It's legalized racism. But even worse, even worse, it's the bigotry of low expectations. Mm -hmm. That's really what it is. But don't take my word for it. Let's uh, let's head to Justice Thomas. What Justice Clarence Thomas had to think uh, think about the lawyers who are arguing for affirmative action today. So this was Solicitor General Ryan Park, State Solicitor General Ryan Park, North Carolina. To he had, Thomas asked him to describe the educational benefit to including race as a factor in college admissions. Park responded that in studies involving stock trading results, racially diverse groups of people perform at a higher level. What? The mechanism there is that it reduces groupthink and that people have longer and more sustained disagreement and that leads to a more efficient outcome, Park said. Thomas responded, I guess I don't put too much stock in that because I've heard similar arguments in favor of segregation too. I've heard the word diversity quite a few times, and I don't have a clue what it means. It seems to mean everything for everyone. <laughs> um, he get his argue, He starts to get kind of more into the legalese of it, and as someone who is not an attorney, I'm not going to try to explain this. That is not the purpose of this show. Right? I'm not going to try to put try to communicate what Justice Thomas is pointing out legally. Simply just trying to put out and and, and he, he but it's these these questioning if this case involved a school district in Virginia in 1960 that is alleged to be discriminating, would this court defer to its assertion that the races do better if they're segregated? (laughs) 
Wait, what? I don't even understand that. So basically, so basically, his question. So it, it, whose it's, question? The lawyer's Thomas's question, question oh. was essentially like, "Oh, hey, if there's a school district in Virginia in 1960 that you think is discriminating, would this court defer to its assertion that the races do better if they're segregated?" That was his. That's it. So his question is like, "Hey, that's the precedent question, essentially. Like, hey, look, this school says the races do better when they're segregated." Your argument is the University of North Carolina has done these studies and says it's better seg- it's better every- when everyone's mixed together. Well, what if a school says that things are better when everyone's segregated? Should we just defer to them? Oh, I, I, okay. <laughs> I was not getting that. So he was saying if a school came up with a similar study proving the opposite, mm-hmm. should yeah. they allow for that? Okay, yeah, got exactly. it. Um, you know, for me... Um, this is just simply that liberals admitting that they don't believe black people can achieve academic success at the rate that white by themselves. Yeah, by themselves at the rate that white, white and Asians uh, can, which is really it's really focused on Asian discrimination. It's really focused on anti-Asian discrimination. These cases. Um, so I had to look up affirmative action. Who are the who makes the case for affirmative action? And it's really all just the same thing. Systemic racism, systemic racism, systemic racism, systemic racism. Right? As if a poor as if a poor white student has better chance succeeding than LeBron James's kid. It's complete nonsense. Okay? It's just not. This was something that Charles Murray has pointed out. Charles Murray, for those of you without a library, he wrote a very, very important seminal uh, social social uh 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 uh, oh, what, a sociological book called The Bell Curve, looking at IQ and intelligence distributions. And then uh, later on, he wrote a book uh, in 2010, 2011, that time frame called Coming Apart, um, which was looking at how uh, essentially white collar and blue collar white Americans, their um, uh, the differences in their uh, values, family structures, and whatnot, and how that that's led to the differences in educational outcomes. And that's always been, and that's kind of what he. That's the conclusion Charles Murray comes to when looking at all this data. Is it's not always. It's not specifically a race thing. It's actually more of an economic thing and a family structure thing. So if you really want to use affirmative action, what you would do is you would try to find the poorest of the poor kids. Who have had zero resources, anything, do everything on their own, no matter their color. And if they're just a little short of what they need to be, then you can promote them because you go, whoa, this kid's done a lot with nothing. What can he do with more? Or she do with more? Sorry. That's the point. Um, so I was reading one of these things that these articles that uh, uh, advocates for. Uh, uh, affirmative action and um, it was like well uh, Jews if Jewish and Asian Americans can rapidly advance economically African Americans should be able to do the same this is great blacks have a 375 year history on this continent 245 involving slavery 100 involving legalized discrimination I don't know about that and another 30 involving anything else Jews and Asians on the other hand have immigrated to North America Often as doctors, lawyers, professors, entrepreneurs, and so forth. I would just simply like to point out to this idiot who wrote this article that I feel like a lot of Chinese immigrants would disagree with that 
considering that they were used as slaves to build railroads and a whole bunch of stuff out west. Yeah. <laughs> for decades and decades and decades. Okay. The idea that the idea that Asian immigrants all come over here as like millionaires and just immediately succeed is insane. The idea that Jews did the same is also insane. Okay? There is bigotry of immigrants no matter what you look like. Right? You remember the signs? Catholic and Irish need not apply. Those yep. are signs too. As a Catholic, do I get affirmative action? Where's my <laughs> check? You know? My people maybe weren't able to have the same job opportunities. Maybe I'd be a part maybe I'd be a vice president at Goldman Sachs right now, sneezing hundred dollar bills. You know, if uh, Catholics were allowed to apply to jobs back in the day. <laughs> Not that that's the kind of life that I would want to live. I'd be really boring. Um, but I wanted to do a little bit of research. And there is a, the Institute for Family Studies is based in, uh, I believe it's University of Virginia. Um, but it's in Virginia. And they looked at um, the differences in educational attainment. And it basically comes down to, look, the number one thing that you can do for your kids is raise them in a stable home and raised by their biological parents. Yep. Biological parents, non-confrontational, a committed relationship with limited, with no chaos in the household, raised by your biological parents. No matter your color, that's the best thing that you can do for your kids. Okay. Here's the problem, though. 37% of black children are living in a home headed by their own two biological parents. That's 63% who are not. Okay. With white children, 67% of white children today are in homes headed by their biological parents. Mm. That's a big difference. Yeah. This is my way of saying the easy way to solve these educational attainment problems is affirmative action, right? Just fight, just, just discriminate. That's the easy way out. The hard thing is understanding why this problem exists and how we can fix it as a society. What culturally went wrong that has led to more and more kids in this country across all races being born out of wedlock? That's really what we need to be investigating in this country. If we want kids... If we want the future generations of America to be as strong, successful, and entrepreneurial as previous generations, we need to raise them like the previous generations did. Two-parent household, biological parents. It's the best way. Yep. All right. All right. Do you have a Halloween question for me, sir? I have two Halloween questions. Oh, yeah. So one is the one that you want to do. Yes. Your favorite trick-or-treat candy. I probably Pop Rocks. That was always so fun. That's exotic. I know. That's really I'm good. I'm exotic. That's frou-frou. Yeah. Well, well, but awesome. It may have come from my house. <laughs> I, that's awesome. Pop Rocks, I love. What kid doesn't like Pop Rocks? But like generically speaking, um, it was probably like M&M's or mm -hmm. yeah, some basic chocolate thing. What's your, what's your opinion on Starburst? 
Yeah. They're fine. Do you know I'll what eat them. Do you know what Starburst technically is? I learned this this week. Um, I do not. Is it going to make me not want to eat them ever again? Well, I mean, that's kind of where this discussion is. <laughs> like, what is a Starburst? And Starburst is made by the Wrigley Company, by the way. And there was a theory that Starburst was just gum that didn't have chewing potential. So, oh. so, they just, so they just, it's actually a taffy. It's actually a taffy. Okay, that makes sense. It's a taffy. Um, Pop Rocks and M&M's. I believe that. Especially yeah. mini M&M's. Mini M and M's. I mean, my favorite candy is are those mm-hmm. eyeball gumballs. Oh yeah, but that's probably mm-hmm. actually my favorite. But again, I, th- I think that was only at my house, and now it's at our house. Yeah, I think. Well, I'm obviously a big candy corn. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the candy corn. Which let the people know what was that originally called? Why don't you? Um, it was originally called chicken feed, right? Chicken feed. Yeah. Correct. We did a Halloween trivia thing mm-hmm. the other week and learned a lot of a lot, random Halloween lot, facts. A lot of Halloween facts. The largest pumpkin ever grown was grown in Italy. Before they used pumpkins, what did they carve? Potatoes. Potatoes and turnips. And turnips. <laughs> because Halloween started in Ireland. Ireland. Whatever. And then they discovered that pumpkins were easier to carve. So now you know. Um. Uh, I think I said before, one my favorite like regular candy bar would be like those fun size Milky Ways. Yeah, I don't understand how, I love that Milky is, Ways. how that your that Milky is Ways your and three three most well, your pick is candy corn. I'm a I'm a um I I candy corn things with nougat nougat. It's the nougat. Hmm. And then so do you like payday? Payday's not bad. Okay. Payday's not bad. Um. Okay. Uh. One last one though, since you had an exotic one at Pop Rocks. Yeah. Fun dip. Fun dip is also good. We also That's, used to hand that out. Yeah. Um, and the last question I had for you, favorite Halloween costume growing up? Um, we actually did this question at work also, and I think I'm just going to go with the same response, which was... Well, I, we already know it because we all work with you. <laughs> was the Statue of Liberty. So I had the crown that I think we bought in New York or my mom's friend in New York sent to us i can't remember anymore and then my mom made me like the the green like gown part and then we put like a green thing over a book i think if i'm remembering it correctly i think it was like fourth grade that was my favorite i like that i like (laughs) that so i stopped doing trick-or-treat fifth grade so i stopped i was the curse of the bambino in 1999 but my favorite halloween costume was a handmade one my mom made. When I was growing up, I was really big into birds, birds of prey specifically. <laughs> Did you go as a hawk? And or my a mom bird would take, my ba- mom would take me to Odeon Point with the other Audubon Society people, and we'd bird watch. You know where those military yeah things are? You on the top of those hills? Yeah. Great bird watching. That's what he did. You know, <laughs> I was three, four years old. You wonder why I'm a nerd. Um, and so I wanted to go as a hawk. And my mom made this amazing custom sewed, this custom like hawk. Nice. Costume. You're gonna have to show me a picture of that. I don't think I've seen. That. I I am sure I can figure out a way to find a picture of it. <laughs> um, yeah, incredible, incredible. So being a hawk, it was also incredibly warm, which was wonderful growing up in New Hampshire because Halloween, not the warmest night. 
Not the warmest night in New Hampshire. You've had Halloween where it snowed, There's like a 50% chance. Oh, no, 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 no. It's a little too early to snow, which is worse because it's freezing rain time. So you could have, you could could be 40 and raining. Ugh. That's nice. Happy Halloween, everyone. Go walk (laughs) around and get, go walk around and get the flu. (laughs) So that was it. That was a hawk. Nice. There you go. All right, friends. We'll see you on Wednesday in a new month. Eight days eight days coming up to max's super bowl he's very excited about it i cannot wait especially because it's going to be a red wave (laughs) all right see you wednesday love you all bye the chant is drill baby drill he had such enormous fun It's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country. Because you'd be in jail. Secretary Clinton. America, stay out the bushes. Stay out the bushes. Jet is a mess. <laughs> <laughs>